I think it's right. Okay, put this on, turn it on. All right, so yeah, that's a, I love those words. Um, it's just a great reminder. Um, all right, how's that working? Okay, uh, great reminder that, um, you know, there is someone who doesn't leave you. You know, there's a God who stays. Um, and, and I know I feel that way too. Even now, I mess up, I see him, I kind of want to hide, go run away and hide from God. But he's like, he's right here with the wide open arms. Uh, I love the, the, the bridge and, and, you know, none of those things can separate. Uh, the Bible talks about that. Uh, separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Um, we're in Psalm 63 today. Psalm 63. And I want to preface this by saying we have about a month left. Some of y'all are like, don't believe me, okay? Um, and, and, you know, y'all know I've, I've told you this before. Um, again, this is my first place I've ever been a pastor of, so uh, I appreciate you guys working with me. Uh, what I found, uh, I, I really like to, I try my best to do exegetical te- uh, preaching, um, uh, you know, and that's from the Scripture. Uh, um, and... Uh, I do think it's okay from time to time to do topical stuff, um, and, and we will do a short three- or four-week series called Grow when we're done with, with, uh, with, with Psalms, kind of like a break. Uh, but we're going to, right after that, we're going to get back into a, a, a study of the Bible. I just find that's, that's what I prefer. Um, and, you know, I know where I'm going, you know, and, and, uh, and we'll be doing Ephesians soon, okay? And so just, uh, just letting you know now how many weeks in that, who knows? 15, 20, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so we're, you know, I hope you've enjoyed it, I, I mean, I haven't really asked, has it been okay, the Psalms, you know, series, I hope it's been okay, I hope you've enjoyed it, um, I actually talked to Daniel uh, the other day, Daniel Bryant, so the pastor of Journey Church, great guy, um, and, and he was, he told me he had been uh, following along every now and then with me, and I was like, man, I appreciate it, so it was great, um, Really, really good guy. I uh, was able to go to a, um, a, a seminar at the um, Swanee Baptist Association uh, this past week, and he was one of the, uh, one of the, guy, one of the people on the panel, uh, a lady from uh, Swanee who was also, um, who does like soup kitchen type stuff. Um, and, you know, it was just kind of a good, it was a good time. Uh, she talked about racial reconciliation um, in a room full of pastors. And it was just gave Daniel a chance to say some things, and it was on his heart. And it was I, I was blessed by it. And uh, you know, we have said a little bit about it, but you know, like I'm going to refer to later, if we can just all uh, put ourselves in other people's shoes and love God and love people, you know, um, and, and just pray for our country, you know, uh, pray pray for peace, pray for our our um, policemen. We have one here that we love very much. All right, and and uh, and just and, and we just want to continue to to just pray and and um uh hopefully we can have some uh you know some unity uh through this all but um today i don't know if you kind of noticed sally did a great job picking songs um we're going to talk a lot about love it's almost going to feel like a valentine's day uh, you know message but um i heard uh i'm going to read you a couple of little um quote or little sayings some sayings that um some kids said okay this is rebecca who was eight years old uh, Rebecca says this, uh, when, my grandfather, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got, got arthritis too. That's love. Uh, Chrissy, age six, love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your french fries without making them give any of theirs, especially if they're McDonald's, right? That's the one good thing I think about McDonald's. Shut up, Cookie. Um, uh, Terry, age four, love is what makes you smile when you're tired. 
Love is what makes you smile when you're tired. They're very sweet. Uh, Danny, age seven, says, Love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy, and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it tastes, it tastes okay. Right. Um, Nikki, age six, says, If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. That's a pretty good statement, especially now. It's pretty good wisdom from a little from a six-year-old. Noel, age seven, says, Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. <laughs> Probably doesn't wash it. All right. Um, Tom, Tommy, age six, says, um, Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. <laughs> Don't say amen, some of you, now. All right. Um, <laughs> you're, you're not here today, so you can say it. Um, Elaine, age five, says, Love is when mommy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. And then Jessica, age eight, says, You really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot. People forget. So what do you love? Love. I mean, of course, my wife knows I love her. My kids know I love, I love them. But I love playing basketball. Um, uh, shooting, I love uh, fantasy football. All right, for those of y'all who want to, yeah, I, I, I love that. All right, spicy chicken sandwich from Chick Fil A. All right, don't come, don't come at me with no Popeye stuff or whatever. All right, I actually tried it; it's not bad. Uh, it's not, it's not Chick Fil A, but still. Um, and or uh, you know, a good movie. Uh, I like watching movies, especially with the family. Uh, I love uh, being on the couch, and one of my girls is snuggled, is snuggled next to me while I watch the movie. All right. Can't beat that yeah, too too much there. Um, I love The Office, all right? uh, <laughs> that show, um, and things that are funny. I just like to laugh, you know. But um, ultimately, what I hope to be able to say is that I love the Lord God Almighty more than any of that. Amen. Um, and so, welcome today as we continue going through the Psalms, passing through the Psalms, what I've called it. Sometimes I have extra titles. Don't really have one today, uh, but we're going to be at the 63rd Psalm. Uh, the preacher, St. John, uh, I get this pronunciation correct because it's pretty tough, uh, Chrysostome, all right, um, said that it was agreed upon by the early church that no day should pass without the public singing of Psalm 63, the one we're going to do today. That it should be sung every day. All right? um, and in the primitive church, the early church, this psalm was sung every morning uh, or every time there was a public gathering. They always sang the 63rd Psalm. All right, so so it's kind of a cool little background there. It was it was a lot of meaning there, a lot of good stuff. I think as we look at this Psalm, uh, you're going to see the ideas of pursuit, passions, praise, and peace, and they'll be very prevalent. Peter Piper, okay. anybody notice that? And at the end of my points, I will pose a question. Do I need to stop? PJ, get it? PJ. Ponder. Yeah, pose questions for you to ponder. It's actually in my notes. You're, you're, you, you, it's right here. You're awesome. And reflect on. Uh, capiche? No? Is that too far? Capiche? No, boo. Alex, boo. Come on, that was pretty good. I, I tried to find something. Um, but on the, on the uh, screen, hopefully, um, if I have my slides in the correct order, uh, you'll see the central statement is our aim as Christians should be to pursue God passionately, which is going to be the first point. One point A and point B, all right, um, pursue and passionately, and then give praise to him consistently, and then uh, find our peace in him exclusively. So I'm actually, because this is one that was supposed to be, that they sang every day, 
and they met uh, in the early church. I'm going to do it a little bit different today. I'm going to read the whole, whole, the whole psalm right now. So if you'll read with me uh, the 63rd psalm, and then we're going to go back and, and look, at, uh, look at some of it. Uh, it was a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Uh, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. I want to pause. And Miss Rhonda, this is not in the screen, okay? This is just me winging it here. I should have said that. Okay. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. Verse 5. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches because you are my helper. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. But those who intend to destroy my life will go into the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the power of the sword. They will become a meal for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by him will boast, for the mouths of liars will be shut. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Um, and so, so the first point, and again, point one is kind of a 1.A and 1.B. Okay? Uh, the first one is pursue God passionately. And so we're looking at the pursue part here. Okay, so if you're taking notes, pursue. Uh, look in verse 1. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. Notice the words. Right, I go with pursue. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So you see, in, you see those three words there that have the idea of pursuing. And this is apparently when Absalom, his son, which we already talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, was chasing David. Okay, so his son is chasing after him uh, to, to get him. Not that fun chasing that y'all might have played some, uh, you know, chase or something, Alex and Mr. PJ, but like this is chasing where the son's trying to kill the dad, okay? And, and, uh, and, and David had to cross the Jordan in his flight. Uh, it has been said that where David hid in caves, right, that would have happened during this time, during the writing of the psalm, it was down by the Dead Sea, and that is some of the driest land people have ever seen. Now, I've never been there personally. It's just research that I, that I have here. Uh, it was also said that California, Arizona, New Mexico, they have nothing on the dry land in that area, to give you an idea. Okay? Again, I've never been to those places either, but I've heard about it. Okay? Uh, it is definitely a place where one can get thirsty. All right, that's the point. Uh, so against this backdrop, backdrop, David says these amazing words. Okay? And, have you ever seen the movie Remember the Titans? Right, anybody remember the Titans? I, I, that's another movie I really like. Uh, there's a point early on, and, and they're, they're, man, they're working really, really hard. And uh, one of the, one of the uh, football players named Blue, old Blue, Blue Stanton, he says, we need a water break. Because right? they're getting tired. They need a water break. And, and Coach Herman Boone says, a water break? Water's for cowards. Water makes you weak. Water is for washing blood off that uniform. You don't get no blood on my uniform. Right, Alex? Y'all remember that part? No. Uh, boy, you must be outside your mind. We are going to do up-downs until Blue is no longer tired and thirsty. All right. uh, I've been guilty of saying stuff like that before, by the way, as a coach. We're going to run until I get tired, which is not really possible. All right. I'm sure Dana never said that to her class or, or a team. All right. Um, but the thing is, that wasn't, that wasn't far from the truth back in the day whenever some of us grew up playing football or, or sports. You didn't ask for water. You just didn't. Okay. Um, and and uh, the reality is water is obviously something that we need to survive. Uh, I know you probably know this, but is, let me just ask. Do you all know how long you can go, humans can go without food? Anybody know? Three weeks. That's right. How about without water? Three days. 
three days. All right, you can go three days without water. All right, and, and, and you know, the, my my thought here is, do we need God that way? Like, think about it. I mean, I know it's simple, but it doesn't make it any less true. David is saying that he needs God to survive. To survive. I, I can't take another breath without you, God. Um, do you? And I want to have you kind of reflect on some things as we go through today. Do you need God to survive? Of course, we know that every breath is a gift from God anyway. Isaiah 42 verse 5 tells us that. This is what God, the Lord, says, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. Every breath is from God anyway, right, brother? All right. Uh, even if people don't believe, the Bible makes it very clear that God gives us breath and also tells us that we live and move in Him. We have our being. That's Acts 17, verse 28. Okay? For we are, we are His offspring. You can see that scripture, I believe, on the screen. But I'm not really talking about that here. I'm talking about the idea of pursuing God, of, of, of needing Him, of wanting Him. Uh, I want to skip down a little, a little bit. You have a King James Version, verse 8. I love the way the King James says it in verse 8. It says, my soul followeth hard after thee. My soul followeth hard after thee. My soul is going hard after you, God. Think about what people these days pursue. You know? I mean, we, we, we know what, what, what most people pursue. Money. Fame. Maybe in your teenagers, popularity. Stuff. People spend so much time in these pursuits to where they lose their loved ones along the way. I preached about that from the, from this pulpit. I, a mentor of mine, Bill Clayton, and I, I may have talked about him before, but he, he's the one that used to say when, whenever I worked for him, I was his youth pastor for a couple of years, um, and, and um, when Sally and I first got married, and he's still one of my mentors to this day. He lives in, uh, in the Jacksonville area. By the way, I need to put him on the prayer list because he has a an outside church for homeless people. That's what he does now. That's what Bill Clayton does. He, 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 he was pastor for years now he has a church he's actually got incorporated and all that it's official he has a church and it's for homeless people in Jacksonville and they just meet outside in that church it's awesome but he told me this about three weeks ago he said God never called you to sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry and I have to remember that as in sometimes I'm like you know I'm studying so much or I'm doing so many things for that you know uh, that you can lose your your loved ones along the way. And I appreciate that advice. I really do. But but, what if our main pursuit was for the God in heaven? Think about that. What if that was our main pursuit? What would our world look like? There's a hymn that goes, My goal is God himself, not joy nor peace nor even blessing, but himself, my God. My goal is God himself. Right? That's what I want. What would our world look like to pursue Christ like he was all that we needed, all that we wanted even. What an awesome thought. I want that to be the case for me. And I have a question that I think is going to be on the screen. Do you eagerly seek, if not, it's okay, do you eagerly, eagerly seek God with everything, everything that is with, within you or do you seek other things before Him? Think about that for a moment. Right, I want to actually pause and let you think okay, rather than keep going. Like, like I went, when I asked for amens, I'm actually going to pause. And ask yourself, do you eagerly seek God with everything that's within you? Or do you seek other things before him? Now the point 1B, which we'll get to in just a minute, I want to read verses 2 and 3 first. 
It says, So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. And so the point 1B is pursue God passionately. See, I want to put those ideas of pursuit and passion in the same point. Sorry, PJ. All right? Because they go so well with each other. The word gaze, and I love this, man. Y'all know sometimes I get lost in the details and I find something that I'm so excited to share. The word gaze is related to the word where we get our word gawk from. Gawk. Uh, which means to stare openly and stupidly. Okay? To gawk. I mean, it was like the first time I saw Sal. Okay? I was like... Hey, that's right. Amen. You're supposed to say that about all your, all your wives, fellas, okay? Um, but it was the truth. And, and see, like, what if, think about that. What if that's how we looked at God? What if that was a measure of our passion to Him to the point that we don't care what others think? Because when you're gawking at something, you don't care what anybody don't, You don't care what they say about you, man. Look at God. What's He looking at? Like, nope. You're, again, remember the definition? To, uh, to stare openly and stupidly. Like, you know, and, and the idea is you don't care what others think because when everyone gawks at something or someone, that person doesn't care. Someone once said the true measure of loving God is to love Him without measure. Do we passionately pursue God or do we forget about Him? Like the Israelites in Jeremiah 2, verse 32, Can a young woman forget her jewelry or a bride her wedding sash? Yet my people have forgotten me for countless days. Oh, that's another sermon right there, bro. Oh, another sermon. Has our country forgotten God? I, I, I would say they have uh, for countless days. Or, uh, you know, that the, the idea here, look in uh, Proverbs 23, verse 26. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. I feel like God is saying, listen, my children, give me your heart. Give me your heart. That's what I'm asking for. Have you given it? to God today. And here's a thought again I want you to, uh, to, to think about that will be on the screen. A question. Is God's love better than life to you? Or are other things better than life to you? Is God's love better than life to you? Just take this a moment to reflect on that. And see, our aim as Christians should be to pursue God passionately, which we've already talked about, to give praise to Him consistently, and to find our peace in Him exclusively. Now, if you'll turn look with me in verses 3 through 5. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. Amen? Can anyone say amen to that? That God's faithful love is better than life? So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. You see the element, you see the, the idea of praise in those, in those verses? Okay. Uh, glorify, lift up my hands. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Praise God consistently. Uh, and, and the first thing that I want to highlight here, and we've already kind of touched on it, I just mentioned this a few minutes ago, was the reason he glorifies God. Because God's faithful love is better than everything. Miss Jan, it's better than everything. God's faithful love trumps, trumps everything that we ever have. And, and again, I, I, I just want to keep hitting on that. God's love is better than everything. Is it to you? See, if He is, you will want to praise Him. 
And, and, and like I said earlier, you won't care what people think of you. Okay? Because you'll be gawking at God. Amen? When, when we come to the point where we realize we really are nothing without Him, our response will be to give Him praise. To give Him praise. First Peter 1 verse 8 says, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though not seeing Him now, you believe in Him. That's us, right? And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. You rejoice. I read somewhere about this text. The mouth that began dry and dusty in the first part of the psalm is now full of praise and blessing for God. Has the circumstances changed? Not that we know of. But his, his, his heart has changed. This is awesome. Uh, he thirsts for God, and now we see David praising him. And speaking of praise, I know it's kind of frowned upon, especially in certain churches, uh, to lift up your hands in worship. I, I know that's a fine line in some places and all. Uh, but, but can I just read you a couple verses? All right, and it'll be on the screen. Just just want to throw this at you. Psalm 134, verse 2 says, Lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. Lamentations 3, verse 41 says, Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. Nehemiah 8, 6, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and with their hands uplifted, all the people said, Amen, Amen. 1 Timothy 2, 8 says, Therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. A couple of verses there about lifting up holy hands. You want to lift up your hands in here, that's fine with me. Okay? And I do that occasionally as well. And I'm not trying to draw attention to myself, okay? Which I know is a, a part of what some people think about other, you know, I don't know, but um, other worship services, or so to speak. But it's okay. Lift up your hands to a holy God. Amen? It's not something you must do, but it's something that you can do if you want. All right? But praising God can happen outside of the church as well, right? I mean, I, I was working on this sermon, and I don't, know, I don't even know if Sally even remembers this when I was working on this a couple weeks ago. I asked her, but you remember me in the middle of the day? I just come over and just gave you a gave you a hug. I don't know. She's like, I don't know. You give me hugs a lot, but um, I was just overwhelmed by how God had blessed me with a wonderful wife and beautiful children, and I, I just started crying. While I was working on the sermon in the middle of it, right? You know, and and just had to go over and give her a hug and just crying. And she she probably didn't know I was crying, but you know, it. What if that was our, you know. What if that was us all the time? Where what's you know because what's in your heart's going to come out eventually, right? right? So what is your heart? How does your heart feel about the Lord God Almighty? And are you willing to praise Him as long as you live? Because and I have to say it's awfully hard to praise God with your mouth closed. All right, I have to say that I've been at, I've been at some church services, man, and especially fellas. All right, this is even Father's Day yet. Next week I have a Father's Day uh, sermon, by the way. We're taking a break from Psalms. All right, we're going to do a Father's Day message next week, okay? Uh, but it's okay, guys. It's okay, guys, to praise. If you're a man, it's okay to sing. No matter how good you can sing. You ever heard me? All right. Okay, so it's all right. Praise God. I think it's a wonderful thing to see men singing and then their children see them sing. It's an amazing thing. So will you praise God as long as you live? That's a question I want you to think about. Will you praise God? Are you willing to praise God as long as you live? And our aim, again, as Christians, to pursue God passionately, to praise Him consistently, and to find our peace in Him exclusively. Now, we're not going to do all the rest of it, but we're going to, you know, the whole, all 11 verses, but we're going to look at the next three, six, verses 6 through 8. And then we're getting to the close here. 
believe it or not. I know I, I know y'all said I could go to 12, but I, I appreciate it, but I'm going to go ahead and stop today. All right, just plain. <laughs> when I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches because you are my helper. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. I see the idea of meditate. All right, meditate during your night watches and that your right hand holds on to me. And so that's where I get the idea of finding our peace in God. Because see, I picture a peaceful rest in verse 6. I don't think I'm the only one. Hopefully I'm not. Right, I see a peaceful rest in that. Well, I, you know, when I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night. Right, and I think on you. And then he says in verse 8 that God's right hand holds on to him. David knows where his peace is found. He knows. He knows his peace. He knows the peace that's talked about in Philippians 4, 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which blows our mind. Blows our ever-loving mind. Can I say that from the pulpit? Alright. Blows our mind. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That peace you can have in Jesus Christ. But let me go back one verse. Verse 6 in Philippians chapter 4. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petitioning with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Ooh, now you're preaching. Now you met. You, you didn't turn into meddling, Mr. Patrick, because we sure do like to worry sometimes, do we not? Okay. Uh, I read about this. Uh, I read this story. It said after resigning his pastorate to go lead another church, a pastor was approached by an endearing older member of the congregation. She wept over the pastor's decision to leave and said, "Things will never be the same." The minister tried to console her by saying, Don't worry, I'm confident you'll get a new pastor who is better than me. She continued to sob and replied, That's what the last three pastors have said, but they just keep getting worse. <laughs> Don't aim me in that one, all right? <laughs> See, I know, I know people who worry like this, you know, and I've been guilty of it myself. I saw another uh, kind of funny story. It said an, an exasperated husband asked his wife one time, why are you always worrying when it doesn't do any good? She quickly piped back, oh yes it does. 90% of the things I worry about never happen. <laughs> see, see how they twist? It's hard. You ladies do this little mind thing and it's like, wait, wait what? Okay, alright. See, cast your cares on God. Amen. Find your peace in Him only. Also, when I look at this idea of peace, I look at it in terms of contentment as well. Uh, David is a picture of contentment here. You know, you know the old Snickers commercials, you know Snickers satisfies? <laughs> uh, no, God really does satisfy, amen? And so my question is, does God satisfy you? I ask that question, does God satisfy me? Does he satisfy? Or am I always wanting more? If you give your life to Christ, he will be all that you need. Mm-hmm. Our aim again is to pursue God passionately, give praise to Him consistently, and to find our peace in Him exclusively. As we close today, the whole point was for us to think about this idea of loving God, loving God, and this psalm that was that was saying every day, was sung every day, that was at every surface. Okay, um, I see why, because it directs your heart to to things that matter, to pursue God, to to give Him praise and to find our peace and contentment and be satisfied in Him. Amen? I mean, look, uh, here's the thing. If we truly love God, won't these things be evident in our lives? Like, you pursue what you love, right? We pursue what we love. We praise what we love. right? And, And we are satisfied in what we love. 
if we really love that, love that, whatever it is. I mean, like, okay, I know some of y'all are not Gator fans, but I love the Gators, all right? I, I love the Florida Gators. You don't have to beg me to watch a game. Ask Sally, okay? All right, you don't have to beg me to watch it. I want to pursue it. Mr. PJ, I'm going to watch them, all right, wherever I can. All right, if I'm going to get a new TV service, I make sure I got the, the, what I need so I can watch them play, okay? All right, um, and, and I'm going to sing their praises, and I'm going to jump up and down. Uh, Caitlin was talking about that yesterday with, with uh, Sally's dad. I was talking about my friend Scott, uh, Scott Cantrell. So, you know, so he and I have been friends since high school, and, and, and I, he and I went and played golf Friday, and I was talking about him, and, and, uh, and she said, yeah, Mr. Scott's scary. All right, when we when we when him and daddy watch games, he, he's scary. I said, Yep, me and I both. We get into it a little bit, okay? We're gonna jump and holler, all right, and we're gonna be loud, or I might try to headbutt my wife. Okay. All right, I, okay, now you gotta know what I'm talking about. Like, wait, you gonna hit your wife? No, there was one time when she was in the bed and it was the it was uh I think it was a Red Sox. No, it was the Gators. It was the Gators or Red Sox. I think the Gators hit a game winning shot like at the buzzer. And I was like, I was going, I was trying to give her a high five, but she had her hands like under the covers. And so I said, headbutt, you know, uh, I didn't really head, headbutt her, but I was making the, yeah, <laughs> she's like, anyway, <laughs> but, but you don't have to meet, you don't have to ask me to praise the praise of Gators. And I don't, I don't need any other team because they're not going to satisfy. All right. I mean, so my point is, do you love them today? Oh, I, I'm not talking about a mansy pansy kind of love here. Because the crux of the matter is we love because he first loved us. All right? First uh, John 4, 19-21 says that. We love because he first loved us. Stay with me here as we ask Mr. Lewis to come on up. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother and sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. So I've said it from the beginning of this, since I've been the pastor of this church that I want this church to be the church that loves God and loves people. And there's the command. You know, he, he loved us so much, right? Picture Jesus on the cross with his arms stretched out. This much. Because he gave his son to die on a cross for us. And we should love others as well. And I know this is a whole other sermon, but it goes with our, with our current state of events today is that we should love all of our brothers, no matter what color they are, no matter what, how much money they have. It, that doesn't matter. Right? Because we have to read it again. What does it say about if you don't? Right? It tells it very clear. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. Right? So that it, may, it, may we be uh, a, a group of people that carry this love that we have for God to others around us that we share that love. Let us be people who will do that. Right? Pray. If we can't do anything, we can always pray. You know, um, and, and it's a difficult time, but I really st- firmly, strongly believe right, that if we love God and love others, we can make a lot of difference in this world and in our community. Amen? All right? And so if, if, if that's you today, I, I hope you've already had enough time today to, to reflect. There's even more time now as we close. The altar is open if you want to pray. Uh, but if you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord, I encourage you to make that decision today. The altar is open. I'll be down here as well, right, and um, I'm going to ask Miss uh, Sally to lead us.